Genesis 19, verse 23. Genesis 19, verse 23. We're going to cover verses 23 through 25 and verses 27 through 29. And this evening, our text has to do with, is that me? Anyway, our text has to do with uh, the destruction of Sodom. The destruction of Sodom. The, the story of Sodom's destruction is short. But that doesn't take away from the enormity or the significance of the event. Now, sometimes Scripture doesn't say a lot about some things. Sometimes Scripture is very short. But you can say a lot in just a few words. And... Again, it's the same with Scripture. There's, there's so much that can be said. So shortness doesn't always mean small or unimportant. We're going to look at three parts of the moment of the destruction of Sodom. Three parts of the moment of Sodom's destruction. Let's look at verses 23 and 24 right now. And it reads, The sun had risen upon the earth when Lot entered Zoar. Then... The Lord rained brimstone and fire on Sodom and Gomorrah from the Lord out of the heavens. So these verses, <clears throat> these two verses, tell us first <clears throat> the moment of destruction. It took place, it says, early in the morning, after the sun had risen. That's when the destruction came. The angels had gotten Lot up, and they ordered Lot to get out of the city. In verse 15, notice it says, when the morning dawned. When the morning dawned. This is when the sunlight was just starting to shine, to break through the, uh, to break through the dark skies. The sun wasn't up yet. It was just starting to get light. And because of Lot's foot dragging, his reluctance to leave, and his arguing, he didn't get to Zoar until the sun was totally visible. Verse 24 says, then judgment came. The destruction of Sodom took place in the early morning as it's confirmed. Look at, jump down to verse 27 and 28. It says, and Abraham went early in the morning to the place where he had stood before the Lord. Then he looked toward Sodom and Gomorrah and toward all the land of the plain. And he saw and behold the smoke of the land which went up like a smoke of a furnace. So... In the early morning hours, Abraham looks toward Sodom and the sister cities of Sodom. And he looks and he sees it's already burning. The judgment happening when it did shows that Zoar was nearby. Like Lot said in verse 20, he said he wanted to go to nearby Zoar. It was only about three to four miles away from Sodom. So it couldn't have been much farther, or Lot wouldn't have been able to get there as early as he did. Zoar being near Sodom emphasizes the miraculous in the judgment. What God did here, this judgment that he brought, was a work of God. It was a miracle. And we'll see later on that the judgment affected a wide area of many miles. Zoar had to be right on the edge of the area that was being judged way too close to, to survive the raining of fire and brimstone. You see, if God hadn't protected Zoar, 
The second thing that we see, the second part, is the man of the morning. First we see the time of the, of the judgment, now we see the man of the morning, the man involved in the judgment. Scripture says that when, when, when Lot entered Zoar, verse 24 says, when Lot uh, entered Zoar, verse 24 says, then the Lord rained brimstone and fire on Sodom and Gomorrah. You see, it wasn't until Lot was in Zoar that God sent the judgment on Sodom and the other cities because the safety of the righteous was God's main concern. God had promised to preserve the righteous, and he did. When God makes a promise, heaven's message to Lot was that Zoar wouldn't be destroyed. So Zoar was Lot's safe place, and God held back his judgment on the wicked cities until Lot was in the safety of Zoar. So we see that God in his word can be trusted. God promised that he wouldn't destroy the city in verse 21. And even though the city was very close to where the judgment would fall that day, the city was spared and everybody, everybody in it. So if we want to know where we can find safety, we need to listen to what God says. We need to listen to God's word. Emphasizing this great truth is not justifying Lot's request to go to Zoar but emphasizes the trustworthiness of God's word. God's word can always be trusted. What a great contrast to man's word. We especially emphasize the trustworthiness in God's word when it comes to the safety from God's judgment. And God's word tells us there's safety in Jesus Christ, but in no other. Men in their own minds have come up with many other ideas of places of safety from God's judgment. You know, if you do this and you worship this way or you go here, you know, God will take care of you. But again, they're the inventions of men's minds. But all of their inventions will fail them. And they'll find out on the day of judgment. God did not say he would spare Sodom. He said he would spare Zoar. So safety for Lot was in Zoar and not Sodom. Safety for the sinner is in Christ, not any other shelter of any kind. The third part that we see in God's judgment is the Sodomites involved in that morning. Judgment came at the most unexpected time for the Sodomites. The beautiful dawning of a new day was starting. It didn't show any kind of, you know, bad news or it didn't have any kind of warning that anything was going to happen. They didn't show any kind of disaster that might fall suddenly on Sodom. Lot's son-in-laws, they were told the night before about the city's doom. But they thought Lot was joking. So with the sun rising in that morning... Rising as usual, and like any other day, nobody was thinking about judgment because no one else had been told about the judgment. They would be going about their business as usual, just a day like any other day, never expecting devastating judgment. They had no thought of judgment. Just like people today get up every morning, business as usual, not expecting judgment, but one day, one day it's going to come. 
Jesus said in Matthew 24, 36 through 39, but of that day and hour, no one knows, not even the angels of heaven, but my Father only. But as the days of Noah were, so also will be the coming of the Son of Man. For as in the days of Noah, before the flood, they were eating, they were drinking, marrying, giving in marriage, until the day that Noah entered the ark, and did not know until the flood came and took them all away. So also will be the coming of the Son of Man. The worst way for judgment to come into a person's life is for it to come suddenly, unexpectedly, without warning. Because when somebody is caught off guard by such horrific judgment, there's nothing you can do. There's no remedy. It's too late to repent. It's too, it's too late to get away, to escape judgment. So the sinner is suddenly trapped with no way out. One minute Sodom was basking in the, in the beautiful morning of a new day. The next thing they know, they were engulfed. Think about it. They were engulfed in a terrible cloud of choking smoke and extremely painful fiery furnace. One minute they're talking with each other, visiting with their neighbors. Oh, what do you have planned for this morning? What, what, what do you have to do today? The next thing you know, they were screaming in terror. One minute in their, they're in the midst of a, of a lush, comfortable place, you know, wonderful circumstances. The next minute they're in the midst of pain, terror, destruction, and death. The citizens of Sodom and the neighboring cities, they had no warning whatsoever. No time to prepare for this judgment that God sent. And every unsaved soul is asking for the disaster of Sodom to fall on them. Think about it. How suddenly and without warning, you know, just in everyday life, an accident can happen. A heart attack. A stroke. You know, with the violence today, getting shot. Or other life-destroying events that can instantly take your life in a moment. Are you ready? Then their soul will immediately be ushered into a horrible and shocking eternity if they don't know the Lord. One minute they're alive on earth, business as usual, the next minute they're in a fiery judgment. Live a life of sin, and ignore the message of God's salvation, and you'll, you'll, you'll have eternally agonizing experience of having judgment come upon you suddenly and without warning. Again, look at verse 24. Then the Lord rained brimstone and fire on Sodom and Gomorrah from the Lord out of the heavens. There's a couple of things that can be said about the way Sodom was destroyed. First of all, it was a miracle. Not the kind of miracles we like to see. Nonetheless, it was, a, it was an act of God. It was a fiery miracle. It says the Lord rained brimstone and fire on Sodom and Gomorrah. The scriptures make it very clear that it was a special act of God. And even though the word of God makes it clear it was a miraculous work of God, you know, some commentators would rather say it was a natural disaster and it's not any different than today. 
God brings judgment because of an earthquake or whatever the, the way he brings it. And people say, oh, no, it, it, that God wouldn't do that. that that's, that's, not, that's not God. It's just, you know, those things happen from time to time. And it, it's just a natural disaster. And those who say it was a natural disaster, you know, those, those things fall into three categories. You know, those who would say that this, what happened here was a natural disaster, they would say it falls into three categories. Either it was an explosion an eruption, or an earthquake. Because the explosion idea says instead of it being a supernatural work of God that happened, it was due to large amounts of burning sulfur or tar thrown into the air, and that's what rained down from heaven. No, the long explanation, rather than believing God did it. No, we've got to have a long, drawn-out reason to explain what happened. The eruption idea says, well, it was a volcano that erupted with a great blast and it rained down hot lava and sulfur. The earth, earthquake idea says, well, you know, earthquake, it created deep openings in the ground that let out gas from underground caverns that exploded and caused all the effect of fire brimstone raining down. God said, I did it. I did it. It's that simple. God could have supernaturally used all of these ways. He could have used the explosion, the eruption, and the, and the earthquake. He could use all of these ways to bring about Sodom's destruction. But you see, that's not what the Bible says. And we need to stick to the scriptures. And the scriptures say here, God rained brimstone and fire on Sodom and Gomorrah. It was a miraculous act of God. There's no reason or excuse for denying that a miracle took place. And then trying to explain that it was something other than a miracle. You know, the same God who brought down fire on Mount, on Mount Carmel in Elijah's day could do the same thing to Sodom. And when the Bible describes supernatural, supernatural action, it's not faith that tried to say it was something natural. And when we say, hey, you know, it had to be something, you know, it couldn't be an act of God. It, you know, it was something, you know, again... It's not faith that, that tries to say that. And also when we say it, it dishonors God's word. God's word says he rained down fire and brimstone. And then when we go, well, you know, it was a natural, we're dishonoring God's word. No, that's not what it says there. You know, that couldn't be, that couldn't be what happened. So we're dishonoring God's word. It says the Lord rained down fire on Sodom and Gomorrah. So we dishonor God's word and we dishonor God's power. God can do anything. God can cause fire and brimstone to come out of the clear blue sky whenever he wants to. He can make it rain without clouds if he wants to. He is the Lord God Almighty, the creator of heaven and earth and everything that's in it. The Lord rained down fire on Gomorrah as well. Sodom and Gomorrah. It was either balls of fire or fire like, fire like that, that would come from a blowtorch. The brimstone and fire would cause everything on the ground to be set on fire immediately. All the houses and any other structures would, would have caught fire, just gone up in fire in seconds. And they would have become raging fires. The people outside would instantly be on fire. Genesis 14 says there were slime pits in the valley of Sidim where these cities were located. Now, Scripture doesn't record the sulfur deposits, but there are plenty of them there in the Dead Sea area. 
the smoke from the burning sulfur would be suffocating. And if you smell, smell sulfur, it, it's not a pleasant smell. So the smoke from the burning sulfur would be suffocating and, and cause a terrible odor. While the fires burned for hours and even days. And human life and the buildings of Sodom would be wiped out in just minutes. Lamentations chapter 4 verse 6 emphasizes this fact when it speaks of Sodom being overthrown in a moment. So those were outside and inside dwellings. Those inside and outside dwellings, they wouldn't be able to, who, those who were in those inside dwellings or those who were outside would not be able to escape. They wouldn't be able to go anywhere to escape this judgment because they would be overcome by smoke fumes and fire as it roared and raced through the streets of the cities. As we read a few minutes ago, the greatness of the fire could be seen by Abraham. Again, verse 27 and 28 says, Abraham looked toward Sodom and Gomorrah and toward all the land of the plain, and he saw, and behold, the smoke of the land which went up like the smoke of a furnace. So in this fiery destruction, you know, we have a picture of hellfire here. Revelation 19.20, Revelation 20.10, and Revelation 21.8 describes eternal hell as a lake that burns with fire and brimstone. And here in our text is the first mention of fire and brimstone in the Bible. And the last mention of fire and brimstone in the Bible deals with the eternal dwelling place of those who are unsaved in Revelation. The Bible talks a lot, a lot about the horrors of hell. Hell will be a terrible inferno. Never-ending torment, a never-ending fire. Jesus said there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. And you imagine just gritting and grinding your teeth for eternity. But unlike Sodom, unlike Sodom, when, when life was terminated... All right, that is, when they died, it didn't, it didn't die in hell. They may have died on earth. Their life was terminated in Sodom, but it would not be terminated in hell. Those in hell will have to suffer the terrible torments of the blazing inferno forever and ever. You know, when you read Luke, Luke 16, it gives us a peek into hell. And we see the rich man down there who's burning with fire, and he says, oh, please, Abraham, you know, dip your, your, your finger in some water and put it on my tongue because I'm in terrible torment. Please go tell my family about this place. I don't want them to go here, to come here. Because it was a place of torment. It's amazing how all of a sudden now we get really, you know, evangelical, but sometimes after it's too late. He wants to preach the gospel. And say, hey, go, go, go tell my brothers because uh, it, this is a terrible place. How terrible the eternal dwelling place of the damned will be, which is the lake of fire and brimstone. People don't like to hear about hell, and understandably so. Some say, well, it's not, real, it's not a real place, you know, and, and you know, oh, hell is living on earth, and you, know, you hear all of those crazy things. You know, and in churches, some of them just kind of gloss over it because we don't, you know, we don't want them to think about hell and they're good people and God really wouldn't send anybody there. 
But let every preacher and every teacher preach and teach about hell the way the Bible describes it. Look at verse 25 again. So he overthrew those cities, all the plain, all the inhabitants of the cities, and what grew on the ground. So everything was burned up. And four specific areas were affected by God's judgment. In verse 25, it says the cities were affected. All the plain was affected. The inhabitants, that is the people who lived there, were affected. And the plant life. And then in the story of the destruction of Lot's city, there's a, a, a note about Abraham. Look at verse 27 again, and, verse, and then we'll look at verse 29. Oh, let's look at 27 and 29 again. And Abraham went early in the morning to the place where he had stood before the Lord. Then, the, then he looked toward Sodom and Gomorrah and toward all the land of the plain. And he saw and behold the smoke of the land, which went up like the smoke of a furnace. Verse 29. And it came to pass when God destroyed the cities of the plain that God remembered Abraham and sent Lot out of the midst of the overthrow when he overthrew the cities in which Lot had dwelt. So in the story of the destruction of Lot City, again, there's a note here that Abra about Abraham in these verses. And in these verses, we see Abraham's diligence. We see, th see three things about Abraham. We see his diligence. We see his disappointment. And we see his deliverance by Abraham. Abraham's diligence is seen or demonstrated by him getting up early, verse 27 says. This was the same morning when the angels told Lot in verse 15 to arise. Abraham's up already, and the angels are telling Lot to get up. But Abraham wasn't in a place of danger when he got up. Lot was. But you'd think that Lot would have been the diligent one, knowing the judgment was coming, getting up early because he would be concerned about the judgment coming to Sodom. But again, this shows the difference, the difference in character between Lot and Abraham. You see, Abraham did not pamper his flesh like Lot did. You see, pampering the flesh causes us to indulge in fleshly desires. And that's dangerous for our spiritual health. Lot's condition would be a, a, a huge concern to Abraham, a major concern to Abraham, as Abraham's looking at Sodom and, oh man, the judgment has come. I wonder how my nephew's doing. How's Lot? So Lot, Abraham looking at the city, Sodom, seeing it's on fire, knowing Lot was there, he's probably, he's probably now disappointed in his heart. Because he's thinking, Lot's there. When he looked towards Sodom and Gomorrah, all he could see was this thick, dark smoke like that of a furnace, he says in verse 20. It was rising high into the sky, and he says judgment had come. And he's thinking, man, this means that not... That, that 10 righteous people couldn't be found in Sodom. And some people will say, what about Lot? Well, see, th th there's no reason to think that Abraham knew that he escaped. Sometimes after we pray, remember Lot prayed. I mean, Abraham prayed for the, for the, for the city of Sodom. And so he sees it on fire and he, he probably thinks Lot's been killed. But he prayed. But Lot, Abraham, again, he, he, there's no reason to think or to, that Abraham knew that Lot escaped. As I was saying, Abraham, sometimes after we pray, 
We can't see through the smoke of the circumstances, let's say. In other words, all that's going on, and I'm praying and I still see this, this smoke of the circumstance. All that's going on, I don't see any change. There's no sign that God answered our prayer. And this causes our faith sometimes to fade, to become doubtful. And you know, it even causes us to say, why pray? It causes us to question the value of prayer. But you see, that's, where the, that's the importance of faith and understanding what God says. I, he says, I answer prayer. You see, our faith has to see through the circumstances. Our faith has to see through the smoke of our circumstances. And we have to trust God to work out things for His glory and for His honor. Prayer does change things, as we'll see as we continue on in our study. Because Abraham, because all Abraham could see was smoke, it would be disappointing to him thinking, man, my nephew didn't get out. He didn't escape. He's dead. But he did escape. And so this should encourage us to keep working for the Lord, even though all we can see is the smoke. Paul said in 1 Corinthians 15, 58, Therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your labor uh, is not in vain in the Lord. Verse 29 again. And it came to pass when God destroyed the, city of the cities of the plain that God remembered Abraham and sent Lot out of the midst. Notice God sent Lot out of the midst of the overthrow when he overthrew the cities in which Lot had dwelt. God took him out. So through Abraham's prayer, God delivered Lot. Lot was rescued the first time by God's mercy, being rescued from, from King Chedorlaomer. And here, this time, he was, it was, his prayer uh, was answered. God, Abraham's prayer was answered by man. I'm sorry, Lot's uh, this, uh, the deliverance was, was a result of man's prayer. You see, this is a picture of the gospel. Lot wasn't, wasn't delivered for his own sake. He was delivered for the sake of Abraham. And so th this speaks, th this, this speaks as a, a type of Christ. No one is saved for their own sake. We are saved because of Jesus Christ. Ephesians 4.32, God in Christ forgave you. In Christ. Like Abraham, who mediated for Lot's deliverance, is through Jesus' work that we obtain deliverance from eternal judgment and condemnation of our sins. The destruction of Sodom and the other cities was such a significant event that God mentions it nearly 20 times more throughout the Bible to warn people, to warn us about the consequences of hell. For starters, these warnings are about bad morals. In particular here, homosexuality. Listen to Jude 1.7. Even as Sodom and Gomorrah and the cities about them in like manner, giving themselves over to fornication and going after strange flesh, are set forth for an example, suffering the vengeance of eternal fire. The word fornication there in Jude, it speaks of immorality with the opposite sex. 
The people of Sodom and Gomorrah pursued fornication with with unrestraint. Nothing held them back. Outside of Lot, there were no morals in these cities. And later on, Lot fell. He succumbed to that immorality when he committed incest with both of his daughters. The phrase strange flesh here in Jude clearly speaks of homosexual practices. The, 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 The Bible commentator Wiest says the word strange flesh signifies that which is opposite, diametrically opposed to nature. And today, in our day, people are accepting more and more this behavior as being normal. But Jude tells us that God's attitude is definitely not an attitude of acceptance. And that those who practice an ungodly lifestyle need to pay attention to the warning here about what God's attitude is. And let them turn to God in repentance or it will be fire and brimstone for them one day. Also, what happened here is God warns about, this is a warning about evil nations. God's judgment is a warning about evil nations. When nations become, when they become hardened in their rebellion against God, He warned them of devastating consequences by reminding them about what happened to Sodom and the other cities, Israel, Babylon, Edom, Moab, and Ammon. And our nation should tremble when reading these judgments because we're no different in character. And unless God's grace intervenes, man, we are asking, we are also asking by our immoral behavior to be wiped out just like Sodom was. And it's a warning about mistreating God's people, Christ's ministers. Jesus referred to Lot City at times, warning people about the consequences of evil. He gave several warnings about mistreating his messengers. When he sent out the 12 and the 70, listen to what Jesus said in Matthew 10, 14 and 15. And whoever will not receive you nor hear your words, when you depart from that house or city, shake off the dust from your feet. Assuredly, I say to you, it will be more tolerable for the land of Sodom and Gomorrah in the day of judgment than for, your, for that city. God's judgment is a warning about disregarding spiritual opportunities. Jesus referred to Lot City when he spoke about Capernaum and its disregard of the spiritual opportunity that they had. Jesus said the city he lived in, Capernaum, that he lived in for a while, he said, and where he did so many mighty works, he said, and you, Capernaum, who are exalted to heaven will be brought down to Hades. Notice, for if the mighty works which were done in you had been done in Sodom, it would have remained until this day. Matthew eleven twenty three. 23. You see, spiritual opportunity brings great responsibility. And we will be judged according to the spiritual opportunities that God has given us. Like the watchman in Ezekiel. We have a responsibility to warn others, to tell others about, again, the enemy of our soul. And we will be held accountable for the spiritual opportunities that we didn't take to warn others. 
This should make us think seriously about the great spiritual opportunities that we've had. I mean, we have Bible-preaching churches, godly ministers. We have tons of books, radio programs that have provided our nation with such great opportunity to grow and develop spiritually. God's judgment of Sodom, it's a warning about the end times. When Jesus warned about the end times, sometimes he compared it to previous days in the history of man to show both the character of the people in the end times and the character of the judgment that would fall on the people in the end times. And one of those comparisons involved Lot and the destruction of Sodom. Listen to Luke chapter 17, verse 28 and 29. Jesus said, likewise, as it was also in the days of Lot, they ate, they drank, they bought, they sold, they planted, they built. But on the day that, that Lot went out of Sodom, it rained fire and brimstone from heaven and destroyed them all. The sad end of Lot's wife, the sad ending of Lot's wife in the destruction that came upon Sodom is also mentioned in Luke 17, 32. In the next context of this passage, but we'll talk about her more in our next time together. Because here we're dealing with specifically with, Lot, uh, with Luke 17, verses 28 and 29. God's judgment of Sodom tells us about the character of the people. Listen to Luke 17, 28. Jesus said, people went about their daily business, eating and drinking, buying and selling, farming and building. This describes the character of the people of Sodom. Sodom's, these listed concerns here, Again, the eating, the drinking, the buying, selling, and farming, they're not evil in in and of themselves. They're not evil things. Okay, again, uh, but the, the evil here is that these things were all they were concerned about. Their concerns did not include spiritual things. They weren't concerned about God. God wasn't in any of their thoughts. They weren't concerned about their relationship with God. They weren't concerned about the well-being of their soul or about God's judgment. Their interests were only earthly things, buying, selling, planting, harvesting, not heavenly things. They were only earthly-minded and not spiritually-minded, heavenly-minded. They were leaving God out of their life, leaving God out of the picture. They were being mostly concerned about the physical and the material. And when you're only concerned about the physical and the material, hey, it will, it will cause a great de- deterioration in your character, in your spiritual life. And that will lead to the filthiest behavior. Because when you leave God out of your life, you have no guide for character. The only guide you have is your own physical and material desires. Nothing could be worse, a worse guide than your flesh. So the people of Sodom became very depraved in their character. The conditions of Sodom really describe our land today. I mean, we're almost completely given up to physical desires and materialism, which has greatly degraded the character of the people. God's judgment shows the character of the judgment. 
In at least three ways, Jesus compares the destruction of Sodom to the judgment that will come upon mankind during the end times. And that comparison is, these three ways are in the suddenness of the judgment, the harshness of the judgment, and the extent of the judgment. And these are truths that we've already seen about Sodom in detail in this chapter, but we're going to look at them again briefly from the text in Luke 17. First, the suddenness of the judgment. Luke 17, 29, Jesus said this, On the day that Lot went out of Sodom, it rained fire and brimstone from heaven. This is a picture of suddenness. Because within hours of Lot leaving Sodom, the city was nothing but ashes. Judgment was totally unexpected. No warning other than what was given to Lot's sons-in-law the night before. But suddenly, the next morning, at dawn, no warning whatsoever, judgment came and destroyed Sodom. And this is the way judgment is going to come in the end times. But it's also the way that many unsaved enter into eternity in every age. Because if you're only concerned about the physical and the material things in life, you risk. You risk this terrible danger. Secondly, this judgment shows the hardness of the judgment, the harshness, the severity of it. And it's emphasized in the word destroyed in Luke 17, 29. In Vine's, uh, Vine's um, concordance, it says the word here, the word destroyed, isn't the idea of extinction. In other words, when they're destroyed, it doesn't mean that they don't exist anymore. It means ruin, loss, not of being, but of well-being. In other words, it's not that they won't be anymore, but there's not, their well-being is not going to be well-being. It's not going to be well for them. In other words, the, Sodoms, the Sodomites did not stop existing when the fire and the brimstone came rain, raining down from heaven. It, it, it burned them, to it cremated them. Now, though their bodies were destroyed, completely destroyed, their souls were not, but went to a place of torment, tormenting fire, and they will eventually be placed for eternity in the lake of fire, which burns with fire and brimstone. And it's going to be the same thing for all the ungodly, not just in the end times but also for those that die at any time. Loss of existence, man, hey, that would be a blessing. If we died and that, and that was it, we were just, you know, no more. That would be a blessing compared to having to exist in hell for all eternity in that tormenting flame. The weeping and the gnashing of teeth and the outer darkness, the Bible says. But divine judgment on the ungodly does not include the loss of, of existence. Man, it's, it's a lot worse than that. I mean, this is such a strong warning to people, to those who reject Jesus Christ and reject his message. The third thing that we see is the picture of the extent of the, of the judgment, the scope of the judgment. Just like it was in Sodom, it's going to be the same in the end times. Judgment, is, judgment will have its limits. Its extent will only include the wicked. 
the rejectors of Christ and his message of the gospel. So in closing, the righteous will be exempt from divine judgment. In Luke's text, some see in Lot's removal from Sodom a picture of the rapture. God took him out before judgment came. So a picture of the rapture of the saints from the earth before the tribulation comes. Others see Lot's removal from Sodom as referring to the safety of the saints from the judgment that comes upon the earth when Jesus manifests himself, when all eyes will see him when he comes in at the end of the tribulation period. But no matter what part of the end time you want to apply to Luke's gospel, to Luke's text, Lot's removal represents the safety that one has in Jesus Christ. Eternal judgment cannot touch the redeemed. Divine judgment in the end times will reach out to multitudes, but its extent does not include those who have come to Jesus for the saving of their soul. So, we need to be saved. We need to be redeemed, born again by the blood of the Lamb. And it's only by the blood of the Lamb, the blood of Jesus Christ, that cleanses a man and a woman from all sin. From all sin. So if you're not born again, the Bible said you must be. So that on that day of judgment, on that day that we stand before the Lord, we will be ushered in to His glorious kingdom. Father, again, we thank you for your word. We thank you for your grace and your mercy, God. We thank you for our redemption, Lord. Father, we thank you that you took our sins upon yourself. You gave your life for mine because I could not pay the price of salvation but you did. I could never thank you, Lord, ever. But Lord, let us do it with our life, with our speech, 